Hi, and welcome to Save Your Sorry, the podcast where we tell you about the rise and fall of your favorite or rather least favorite celebrity. Today is our bonus episode, so we'll be doing our book club episode. What book did we pick, Katrina? The book that we picked for this month. That's a <laughs> We're not doing months anymore. You know, who knows? Yeah, we'll just say, yeah, the book we picked. It uh-huh. was Love Pamela by Pamela Anderson. I don't know why, but in my head, I always call it Love Pammy. <laughs> <laughs> I always just say Love Pam. Oh, uh, okay. I wrote, I wrote Pam so much. I was like, yeah, she's just Pam. <laughs> <laughs> I actually had to look up her name again because I'm like, is her name Pamela Anderson? Is it not? I think it's Pamela, right? It is Pamela, yes. I'm like, don't scare me. I did the research, right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. Just Pamela by itself, like, sounds weird. Yeah, now that we said it so many times, it is weird. <laughs> Pamela. <laughs> so my pick was uh, Love Pamela by Pamela Anderson. Um, when I initially chose this book, I did I wanted to pick a different book by a celebrity that I was kind of familiar with, but did not entirely know, but that I had interest in, you know, but after reading this and taking the time to go over it, I don't know if this book was just, I don't know if this book was for me or not for me, or I just read it at a bad time, but you know, we'll get into that. In this book review, I just kind of want to talk about who Pamela was growing up, a little bit of her background, stuff that really isn't known about until she wrote this book. And then like just cherry pick some of these moments in her memoir biography that stood out to me or I just want to discuss and we'll just talk about what we felt. All right. Now, one thing I cannot lie about Pam, now I don't know if I should call her Pamela. (laughs) (laughs) That's (laughs) okay. One thing I cannot lie about Pamela is that she bared her soul in this book. Whether I agree with the decisions that she made or who she chooses to associate with and things of that nature, she was absolutely vulnerable. I learned so much about her that I did not know or that was not really common knowledge, as well as for moments that I've heard about in her life, I kind of received additional context or more of a backstory that was unknown until reading. Okay. So I really appreciated the look into her life. Now, Pamela Denise Anderson was born July 1st, 1967. Her parents are Barry Anderson, who was a furnace repairman, and Carol Anderson, who it's not really said what she does, so I'm going to assume she's more of a homemaker. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Pam was born on Canada's 100th birthday. She is a centennial baby, I think is what they call it. Pam's family consists of her parents, her father, Barry, and her mother, Carol, as well as her brother. Now, Pam describes her parents as Bonnie and Clyde. They would stick together through it all. Pam's father was very intelligent, also known as a risk taker. To illustrate that, Pam talks about how when her mother was pregnant with her, Her mother and father got into an accident and her mother went through the windshield. She even has scars that are still present to this day from that accident. Yeah, she said her mom tries to cover it with her hair. Yes. Now, uh, she speaks of her mom being very, you know, kind, soft-spoken in a way of uh, just trying to make sure everybody's taken care of. Very devoted to her father, for better or worse. And unfortunately, in the household, it would get bad. 
Now, Pam is not an only child. She does have a brother named Jerry, who is four years younger than her. And they were always very close. Uh, growing up, she loved teaching him and showing him all the things that she loved around the house. And uh, as they grow, they grew up together in that house. And even once they became adults, they are still very close. Now, Pam's relationship with her grandfather was also very special. They would spend a lot of time together and they would talk a lot. So much so that uh, Pam admired the fact that when her and her grandfather would have conversations, you know, it was very easygoing and flowing. He would kind of talk to her, not like a full adult, but not like a child. And she could ask her grandfather anything, whether it's about life, religion, this or that. And he would answer and advise her. Didn't he tell her there were fairies? It's been so long since we read this book, but I, I remember. I was just about to say, mm, he could have. I wrote down, let's see. I know he taught her Finnish. Okay. I, I feel like she did could say it, could have been fairies too. And I was like, I don't know if she still believes that. Because the way she wrote it, it just kind of made it seem like she still believed it. Something tells me that Pam would, of course, believe that fairies are real. You know, in her head, you know. Not <laughs> yeah. in a bad way, but that's that's how she thinks. Uh-huh. Now, Pam, at a young age, also had an affinity for loving, helping, and advocating for animals of all kinds. She found out when she was young that her father hunted and had this, like, room with animal heads and stuff like that. And she hated that. So much so that she kind of bogged him down and bothered him about it so much that he ended up stop hunting. He ended up in, how do I want to say that? He stopped hunting, period. <laughs> she also loves the ocean. She loves being around water. She has a very great admiration for everything living. Uh, Pam overall is just a very loving and sweet person is what we're learning, especially in her childhood when she's very innocent and just, you know, learning how to navigate this world. Can I tell you something? Yes. That kind of rubbed me the wrong way. What part? The how, okay. I don't know how, like, just the way she presents herself, it's very Disney princess-like. Mm, like just herself? Yeah. Or period? Just her, like how she writes about herself. Mm. Are you, I you think maybe she's like setting herself up to always be the victim like she had no hand in what's, what's happened to her? I mean, I, maybe, I just don't think like there was any time in that book where she said this was my fault or this is how i acted wrong and oh. especially in the childhood like i get that she was a child and like bad stuff was happening to her but later in her life she kind of still walks around as a dizzy princess too yeah like i didn't know how this worked i didn't know what this was doing i had to learn the hard way type of thing i mean maybe she was very naive but she was hella naive. I'm not even going to talk about all the stuff that she was doing that. I was like, really? Huh? Just without knowing who this person is. Interesting. I will say though, I don't know if maybe she didn't. Cause I, like you said, it's been a minute since I've full blown read slash listened to this book, but she did say that she was not like the best child. She did say that at one point growing up, she did have like a, like a mean streak or something. Yeah, and she was constantly like rebelling because of her parents' like fights and stuff. So she would do like weird things, like not listen or oh shit, the kitten story. 
I didn't put that in here, but that was, we could talk about it real quick. So the kitten story is like Pam had mentioned, she did have a little bit of a rebellious mean streak period in her childhood. And there was like a, a cat on their property that had given birth to kittens. And her father had told her like, what was it? Like, don't mess with them. Don't bring them into the house. Don't bring them into the house. And Pam knew that she shouldn't bring them into the house. Her father had warned her, but she still did it anyway because she just wanted to disobey. And her father being absolutely evil and probably also a little drunk, uh, took the kittens and drowned them. Yeah, fuck him all day, every day. After that, I feel like she tried to give him a redemption arc in her book, and I was like, no. I was, after, you... You have to listen and read the book for yourself to know the how deep the abuse goes and all the things that they end up doing and how they come together and fall back and come together as a family. But yeah, after all that, I was very surprised where even when we're into her adult life, like deep into it, like she's like, yeah, my father and him got together and my father and father. I'm like, damn. I mean, yeah. she, I, she was all about family. I mean, no matter what they did or who they were, you could say that, but yeah. I don't care. I didn't want to hear shit about him after that story. I knew when I read that, when I when I heard the kid's story, I said, Jose will never like this man. No, I even think afterwards she described him as a kind manager. I'm like, fuck him. And fuck you for saying that. And this weird, oh, yeah, it was heartless. Drowning kittens? Oh, I could not even imagine. Never. You could just let them go. You could have done anything besides drown them. Yeah, pu- I mean, punishing the kitten, punishing Pam is her not being able to have the kittens. You didn't have to kill them. I don't know. Maybe that's like an old school thing to do, but still, <laughs> still fucked up. That's a crazy ass old school. I just, I'm, I'm <laughs> glad that old school is gone and burned down. I just feel like they had more disregard for like animal life. Possibly. So Pam does speak highly of her parents and how much they love each other, but she does get into the bad times and the abuse. Like we were talking about before, you know, that story. She mentions that her father was a very smart man. He was even uh, a member of Mensa, but he also had a drinking problem or alcoholic. I, I don't know if there's a difference, but I did notice that Pam says that her father has a drinking problem and she does not call him alcoholic. Hmm. Now, when her father, she does describe that when her father drinks, he does verbally insult Carol, Pam's mother, and it would turn into these big fights with them getting violent with them, with each other in the household. And it's so bad that Pam, and this is, this is after Jerry is born. So Pam is feeling like the big older sister. She has to take care of her brother. So she shields Jerry and takes him outside until everything calms down. You know, Pam describes it as, you know, they would get into these big fights and then sooner or later you would hear them like basically making up and getting intimate as a way to resolve their issues. It was that type of toxic cycle where it's like, we're fighting, we're breaking up, and then we're making up, and then we're fighting, and it's all that. Yeah, it was really sad how Pam des- described her mom, like, after one of the fights, going to the restroom and just crying to herself and talking to herself. Yeah, yeah. and imagine seeing that as a daughter yeah. in a keyhole. Yeah, and just fixing herself up. She said that her mom, like, no matter what, they were poor, they didn't have money, They she got beat up, They she would always be fixing herself up. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's a part of, you know, Pam's mother 
making sure she has this one thing that makes her feel good or look good, or it could be something that unfortunately could be related to her marriage. Like she feels like she has to always be put together. Yeah. I think it's a little of both. And she kind of passed it on to Pam. And that's funny. You said that because I, I said, right. Cause I was basically going to mention that that whole toxic of fighting and breaking up and then making up is a cycle that Pam intentionally or unintentionally ends up mirroring in her own love life. Yeah. So in Pam's childhood and her adolescence, her parents' toxic relationship would get worse. It would begin to escalate to the point where they're leaving, going to a friend's for a few nights, or maybe uh, Barry, Pam's father, is leaving, going to a friend's for a few nights, and then they'd come together like nothing ever happened, and then it would go on and go on again. They even had a long-term separation where Pam's mother, Carol, takes her children and leaves like um, the island that they're staying on because they're from Canada. I don't know if I mentioned that, but they uh, go to a whole different area. But sooner or later, the pool comes back and they're back together. Yeah. And one time Pam even said like she was the one who told her dad and like when he pulled up, like the mom was happy. Like it was just time for their estrangement to end. Yeah, I didn't know. I had mixed feelings about that, so I didn't know if I should put that in there. Because when I first heard that in the story, I was like, yikes. Like, imagine not telling your mother that you're about to expose her location just because you're having issues there. And you don't, and, this, and this is a violent man. But uh-huh. then when she described her mother's like, relief at seeing their father and them resuming their relationship i was like i guess so but also that that could just be like not stockholm but like i don't know the word for it like that relationship is just ingrained in you like you've always been with that person you don't know anything different yeah it's a cycle of a lot of domestic violence so just going back and forth mm-hmm. unfortunately during ch- uh during pam's childhood it her parents' abuse and the fighting was not the only thing that was tragic that Pam had to deal with and go through. Pam talks about the fact that as a young child, she was sexually assaulted by her female babysitter for like a number of years and how she knew this wasn't right or, and, and that this woman was doing something wrong or, or this young girl. I, I don't know for sure how old she was. I know she was old enough to know better. Yeah. But, um, she knew it was wrong. She knew it wasn't right. It didn't make her feel good, but you know, she was told to be quiet and she didn't want to burden anybody else with telling them that this was happening to her. I and, was shocked hearing that. Just you really don't think it's going to be the female, the female predator out there. Yeah, it's like one of those double-edged swords where, you know, we're so used to predators mostly being identified as men that we forget that of course women can be predators as well and some women use that to their advantage that they're not going to be looked at as that and i think when she first described it it was just like a babysitter who couldn't keep her hands to herself like she described it like that and then she goes into more detail like wait what like what is she talking about Mm. unfortunately even though the female babysitter 
ends up not being in their life anymore and then subsequently dies. But you can read in the book how that happens. Um, this is not the first time that Pam would be taken advantage of. Back when it was just Pam, her mother, and her brother, she's about um, 12 years old. And she's trying to hang out with a friend, tells her mom that they're going to the movies, even though they're they're not. Ends up going to some house party with like adults, like 18, 19, 20 year olds. And she ends up getting raped at that party. And that's another situation in which she tries to hide from her family what has happened and buried what happened to her um, very deep and not really speak about it much. But she recognizes that, you know, she was forever changed in that it even stunted her growth. So then throughout the story, as she goes through high school, Pam has boy has a boyfriend, a steady one, on and off, who doesn't really treat her right. She's still in the house with her parents and their toxic relationship. And it's at 17 years old that Pam finally realizes that she needs to leave and go off and be on her own and try to find out where she fits in this world that is separate from her family and everybody else that she's been around. She even mentions that one of the breaking points was her witnessing another fight with her mother and father, but this time it's very violent. It even goes as far as her father is trying to like burn her mother on the stove, like push her head onto the 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 element on the stove. Yeah, and, that was crazy. Yeah, could you imagine? And and this is somebody who's definitely stronger than you. So you whether you're trying to fight her or not, it's that impending doom of like, oh my God, this is going to happen. That's fucking terrifying. Yeah, I when I read that story, I kind of thought to myself, like, was he actually going to do it or was he just doing it to like scare her? Because, you know, it's described he's way stronger than her and he kicks her all the time. So I feel like if he wanted to, he could have. I don't know. And that's that's bad too. Like toying with somebody's mental with somebody's mind like that with the abuse as what well, the physical abuse as well that's fucking sick yeah because like you know one thing that she really cares about the mom is her look so mm-hmm. I, I feel like maybe that was just a way to mess with her but i don't I know. Didn't even think about that yeah yeah pam says she did break it up so i don't know like did she was he holding her head over there for a little bit and she broke it up or was like immediate thing that he didn't get a chance to? I, I would assume that he was getting closer or, or something of that nature. And then she knew she had to intervene. And that's when she did. Now Pam talks about, yeah, her intervening in that fight, her seeing her father uh, trying to do that to her mother or going to do that to her mother. And she intervenes by punching him in the face and yelling at him to get out. So she, she does intervene in their fight and she does punch her father into, she does punch her father in the face and yells at him to get out the house. And he does. But in doing that, she's, like I said before, she's realizing um, this, this environment is too much for me. I love my mother. I love my brother, but my mother is never going to leave my father's. I can't really change her. I can't change what's going on with them, but I can, I can change by leaving this environment basically. Yeah. She says they even made up her mom and dad. And then her mom was mad at her for punching her dad. Really? I, I, I must have missed that part. I did not hear that part. Her mom was mad? I, I think so. 
damn. Yeah, that's that. That's that stuff. That's where, you know, that type of love rewires your brain. That type of love with abuse does not make you think like a rational person. No. So she leaves home at 17 and um, she's essentially free to do what she wants. And this is kind of the start of the Pamela. We will soon get to know the Pamela Anderson. To get the full picture of who Pamela Anderson is, I do think you need to read the book. There is a lot of things that I left out in the background of some very important stories or interesting stories. But I want to move on to just some more interesting moments and stories that I read that I thought, damn, I did not know that. Or damn, that was interesting. Or damn, what you think, Jose? (laughs) (laughs) Now, the funny thing is, is that there would be no Pamela Anderson if she was not invited to a, a Canadian football game and was put on the Jumbotron and was apparently so breathtakingly beautiful that they ended up using her image for Monday football ads and even called her in so she could start doing commercials and posters and such. And that ends up developing and leading to her modeling career. Pamela got her foot in the door a lot of the time just by her looks. Yeah. It's one of those stories that um, is essentially like one of those old stories you hear like, oh, I was working... I was walking in the mall and they discovered me stuff that when you say now in 2023, they'd be like, bitch, what the fuck is your problem? That's a predator. That's a scammer. Uh-huh. But it actually used to happen back then. But the the unfortunate fact is that sometimes it was still a scammer. And <laughs> a predator. Still a predator. Now, uh, also, eventually she uh, has a few more boyfriends. You know, she does some more modeling gigs, but she gets the attention of Playboy. Now, despite, and and maybe some of you out there haven't heard any horror stories about the Playboy Mansion, but despite some of the horror stories I have heard about the Playboy Mansion from former playmates or former inspiring actresses or singers, you know, Pam does not have any bad experiences with the Playboy Mansion or Hugh Hefner at all. Um, Throughout the book, you know, several times she talks about her working history with Playboy and her um, relationship with Hugh. And she looks back on it with very fond memories. You know, she talks about Hugh being uh, very gentlemanly to her and um, everybody um, on the Playboy team being very kind and courteous and making sure that she was safe at all times and nobody was doing anything untoward to her. Which, you know, is not a common story that you hear. But hey, maybe she's the outlier. Maybe. I think she even called it empowering. Yeah, but I could see, I mean, if you take away all the the other stuff, some people do value, or not value, some people do view, you know, posing nude as empowering and taking back your power and showing who you are. So I could see that, but. She was downright, and and maybe this is me just projecting, but I felt like since before she wrote this book and after she wrote this book, people have said some things about Playboy and Hugh Hefner in particular. And I felt in certain ways, the way that she would describe interactions or stories, 
she was kind of painting him in a good light far better than she needed to. But like I said, maybe I'm projecting. I mean, she called her dad a kind man after he murdered Kitten. So <laughs> I think she has a history of painting men in good light. Oh, and and I didn't even mention this, but, you know, Pam does have like a rough history with men starting from her father. But in the book, it is kind of revealed that, you know, she ha- she has this great relationship with her grandfather. They they talk and spend so much time together. But it's revealed that her grandfather was not a great father to her father. He was abusive. So I thought that was just so interesting that it seems like these men, at least in her family, you know, have these issues. And then maybe as they grow older, they just stop. They they don't do these things anymore. Yeah, I guess they settle down. I guess. Oh, and, and even oh, back to the Playboy thing. I, I had a note. She described one of these. Okay, so she she was going to these parties later, and all this. You know, they have these theme parties where all the celebrities are there, all the sports people, all the you know whoever's who's who and whatever is at the Playboy Mansion. And she described it like, you know, people were doing this and drinking and doing drugs, but it it was debauchery, but innocent debauchery. <laughs> what the fuck is that? I, I, that's what I'm saying. Like, I just feel like she walks around like a Disney princess. Like everything, like it's viewed differently to her. Yeah, like if it did, oh, I don't want to say anything because Pamela went through some shit. I am not gonna lie, she went through. Yeah, some she shit. did. But it was like if it didn't happen to her, she didn't see it, kind of, in a way. Okay. One person I want to talk about is John. Now, John Peters is this man that Pam ends up meeting at a Playboy Mansion party. I think it's when she first ends up coming to California to do her first Playboy shoot. Now, she meets this guy, John Peters. He's uh, this very successful Hollywood producer known to do a lot of high profile movies and stuff. He knows a lot of good high up actors and directors. And he kind of ends up becoming Pam's sugar daddy without the sugar, at least not yet. (laughs) So Pam describes this like pretty woman-esque adventure that John ends up kind of bringing her on. Um, He meets her. He falls in love with her looks. And I guess who she is as a person ends up buying her a house, a car, a whole new wardrobe multiple times. And not really wanting much from her except for maybe, you know, time, you know, a little bit of companionship every once in a while. Or as Pam said, you know, he likes he wants me to like give him rub his neck or um, kiss his cheek or something like that. But nothing outwardly sexual. Yeah. It's not until Pam meets and starts dating her TV crush, Mario Van Peebles. And he goes and meets her at her Bel Air home that has been gifted to her by John, where she starts to maybe think, hmm, maybe this is a little weird. You know, Mario meets her at her house for a date and she's and he's like, well, you know, you're just a starting model, you know, starting actress. I know that you can't really afford this type of situation, 
where where did this come from? Who gave you this? Who did this? And she's like, you know, John Peters does that. And she, and Mario is like, girl, you been... <laughs> I'm sorry. It was the way she said in the book. She was like, Mario said, I need to grab a bag and everything I owned and get the hell out of there. <laughs> like he was convinced she was going to get attacked that night. I was like, damn, he is serious. But it was... And what goes to your Disney princess part is responding to Mario's questions about John giving her all this stuff. She's like, it happens to everyone. Uh huh. <laughs> He's like, no, it doesn't. That's why it's, it's like, does she just have such pretty privilege that it's just like, oh, this is how the world operates to me? Or is she naive? I, I, I don't know. I just did not. Something was come across well for you. Yeah. Eventually with time, you know, and not even because of her relationship with Mario Van Peebles escalating, but I think just because she realizes that it was very much weird. Her eyes had been open. She does tell John that she's kind of uncomfortable with all the gifts he's giving her and the attention. And she she doesn't want to give off the wrong impression, but Initially, he like waves her off like, yeah, yeah, you know, whatever. It's fine. I'm not getting the wrong impression and kind of distracts her with some more like plans. Like, I want you to do this. I want you to uh, throw this party for me. And she does it. But when her mom finally comes to visit her in California and it's Pam's mom, Carol and John and her just riding around and hanging out and doing all these great things, you know, John tells Pam's mom, you know, I love her. And Pam is like, uh-uh, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> and even her mom tells her on her way out at the airport, you know, um, you know, follow your heart. Do do what do what you need to do. And so she finally does go to John and she does let that relationship go. Kind of more in um in the thief of the night sense where she packs up all her stuff and leaves the keys to the car inside and then tells them. But yeah, she she uh, gets her own stuff, gets her own car, and fully disconnects from him. So she can start finding her own path independently, which, you know, that's definitely something to be proud of. I would have found my path, but I would have also kept the house. <laughs> right. <laughs> it doesn't have to be one or the other, I feel like. I, okay, I, I was going to say... I give a, I, you can have the house. I'm taking that car. Like some it's a new car. Cause she said the car, cause she talks about how when she fall, uh, when she gives that stuff back to John, she finds her own apartment and buys her own car, which needs bungee cords to hold the doors closed. Hell no. Yeah. I'm, ta- I'm, I'm keeping the bins. I would let Johnny know that, uh, let me find a nicer car and I'll just keep this one for a while. He gonna let me keep it anyway. Shit. Yeah. She has more, I don't know, pride, morals than me, but I would have. Yeah. All that stuff. So then the next story is Baywatch versus Home Improvement. So the funny thing is, is we know that Baywatch ends up being like one of the biggest things that Pamela Anderson is recognized from. But Initially, she did not care or had any interest in auditioning or starring in that show. You know, the producers slash creators, whoever casting directors were calling from Baywatch, calling Pamela, 
wonder to audition to uh, play in the show, but she was turning them down. I forgot what city they said or area they said the show was located in, but but Pam not really being a good driver, uh, as well as not being really familiar with different regions, was like, man, wherever it is, it's too far. So I'm not about to go down there. And she just kept rejecting them. Now, she does get pulled in to do a cameo uh, for the show Married with Children. So in doing that cameo, she's on set. But unexpectedly, uh, after filming it, she gets pulled into some audition where some woman spots her is like, hey, they're still they're still doing these auditions for blah, blah, blah. You, you're about to be late. Come on. Come on. And pulls her into this audition where she's very confused, but she goes through with it. And she ends up securing the role of Lisa from Home Improvement of Tool Time. Is that what it is? Tool Time? Yeah, the show within the show. The show. Okay. I'm about to say, I didn't know what it, I did not watch Home Improvement. You didn't. I know of it. Um, I know Tim Allen was in it. I know that dude with three names was in it. I don't know shit else. <laughs> <laughs> I watched but, it before. Okay. Yeah. Oh, in the fence, dude. I know about uh-huh. that. Okay, see, I know a little bit. <laughs> but uh, so she ends up securing uh, uh, the role of Lisa on Tool Time on Home Improvement. I hate to say it, you know, and, and people might be thinking I'd be lying just because I don't mention it until we get to the actor. But just like Bill Cosby and just like, who was the other guy I said? Russell Back. Wilson. You said who? Russell Wilson. What the hell I got against Russell Wilson? He's a football player. Isn't that his name? Russell Simmons. (laughs) (laughs) I said, who? Who? Yes, thank you. I mean, you still knew, which is better than me. But just like Bill Cosby and Russell Simmons, I knew there was something about Tim Allen I didn't like. It's also because, you know, he's a conservative. But I knew there was something. I have never liked Buzz Lightyear in my entire life. (laughs) I've always been a Woody gal. And this story sealed it. So on Pamela's first day behind the, uh, the scenes of Home Improvement, she's walking down the hall. And Tim Allen is uh, walking down the hall as well in his grove unexpectedly he opens up his robe and flashes Pamela. He's completely nude and says something like, um, it's only fair that you see me naked since I saw you naked. Uh, we're even now. Oh, I forgot about that story. Where did you think I was going with the Tim Allen is a weirdo? I just thought you were going like he's a conservative. <laughs> <laughs> conservative asshole. He's nasty. Yeah, I couldn't believe when she said that. And and she's like uncomfortable, but she's trying to laugh it off probably because she just got this job and she doesn't know what the fuck just happened. Why the star of the show just flashed himself at her. Uh Uh-huh. That was fucking crazy. I think he was just like, he wanted his ego stroked as well as something he knew he could get away with, as well as hoping maybe it would lead to something. But didn't nobody want your nasty, crusty, dusty old ass? Trash ass. Buzz Light. 
So she's on home improvement, but right now she's in a relationship with a guy named David, who is also an actor. And he ends up auditioning for, guess what show? Baywatch. And, uh, she ends up going down there with him and ends up auditioning as well. She, of course, as soon as she is spotted, they they want her immediately. They they're are you the one who kept who kept rejecting us? <laughs> and she's like, yeah. And so she reads for the part. She gets it automatically. Her boyfriend at the time also gets whatever part he is auditioning for. But it's kind of speculated that you know that was her man. We want Pam. Let's throw a bone to this little fish too. Yeah. So when it comes down to it, um, and she starts working at Baywatch, she really likes it. She gets uh, first, she talks with the creators and the producers a little bit about herself so they can kind of set the scene and mold her character on the show, CJ, that she ends up playing. And she ends up really, you know, becoming a family with the cast and crew and loving the, uh, the set environment that they work at. I mean, She's she plays a lifeguard. They're in the ocean. Pam loves the ocean. And when it comes down to it, she's come. It's it's becoming a crunch that she has to choose between home improvement and Baywatch. And even though home improvement uh, is paying her more, but she doesn't have that much dialogue, her quality of life, she is saying, is better at Baywatch. So she ends up dropping home improvement and going with Baywatch full time. And she has no regrets about it. I mean, Baywatch is what kind of made her an icon, so that was a smart decision. It was definitely the better decision. Like, talk about timing and talk about, you know, just following your gut and just following your your actual happiness. Like, she could have followed the money, but she literally felt happier there. And it ended up paying dividends for her. Not in every way, but in a lot of ways. And one way it didn't pay was that um, she ends up, getting a Barbie, you know, a CJ Barbie, and it ends up being a bestseller, like really popular. But she sees nothing from that, unfortunately. You know, she was just kind of beginning in the game, and she and she kind of talks about her representation was kind of like beginning level poor at that time. So she kind of didn't see anything from that, but she was still very popular character, very popular overseas. Like, so popular that, you know, the other countries were buying episodes that only had Pamela in there. <laughs> like there was a Pamela clause when they would buy episodes because those were the episodes that they wanted. That's hilarious. So that speaks just about her popularity, maybe her energy, her spirit and what she would exude on that TV. She was very loving, but she was also very beautiful. So, you know, people could relate to her as well as like want to be her as well as want to be with her. It's one of those all around things. If she got paid for those posters, because I feel like everybody when they were younger had a Pamela Anderson poster. That's enough. Okay. So she talked about the Barbie and not receiving nothing on that one. But yeah, that's a good because, you know, I'm thinking of top two, no, top three popular posters in my lifetime that I wasn't even alive for. Well, at least two of them were uh, Farrah Fawcett, the Michael Jackson, and Pamela Anderson. Yeah, I think one of my cousins had the Pamela Anderson poster. So that's a good question. I wonder. Now let's move into the Tommy chapter of Pam's life. Pam meets Tommy Lee in the club. Uh, it's a club called Sanctuary that apparently Pam was a co-owner of. 
she ends up sending, you know, bottles of liquors, particularly Goldschlager, to, you know, some of the VIP tables. But, you know, Tommy takes one look at who sends it, who is Pam, and he thinks, oh, you know, she's inventing a me player. And he makes <laughs> his way to where Pam is with her friends and just goes up to her and licks her face. Quite an introduction. Uh, Pam, in turn, licks her friend's face. And, you know, they all just, you know, hang out, get drunk, be merry. But in the background, Pam's friend Mel is like, Pam, don't you fucking dare get with this man. <laughs> it's so funny how she describes, you know, that they they were having fun. But Mel is like, no, no, this is not what you need. I, I see you making them eyes and you flirt and don't do it. He tries to get her number at the end. And, you know, Mel is still there saying, uh-uh, don't do it. And Pam ends up yelling outside of the, uh, the limo, you know, where she's staying at. Tommy finds her, calls her. You know, they end up flirting a little bit, kind of setting up that maybe it'll only be like a one night stand type of thing, or he won't even try to find me. It's it's a slim chance that he'll even come looking for me. You know, he's very popular. I turned him down, whatever, whatever, whatever. I forget what it was. Was it a wedding or something else? Pam ends up going to Cancun, Mexico. And while there, Tommy ends up coming down there and finding her almost immediately. Uh-huh. Uh, they spend the whole time together to the point where they wake up one day and Tam and not Tammy. <laughs> <laughs> they wake up one day and Tommy is like, You want to get married? And Pam is in bliss and she's happy and she's like, Yeah. And Tommy starts calling for some officiants and they get married right there in Mexico. Um, unfortunately, it doesn't stay secret for long, nor do they have time to tell anybody because these um, these these Mensa members <laughs> decided to use disposable cameras and got them developed down there and didn't think that those people were going to make copies as as well as sell them out to the media. But whatever. <laughs> so they end up doing that. So as soon as they get off the plane and they're, they're touched down back in America, everybody knows that Tommy Lee and Pamela Anderson have now gotten married, including Pam's family who are pissed. I think y'all can give her a pass with all the shit she had to deal with with y'all. But hey, Pam and Tommy are just, you know, very loved up. They're very in the honeymoon period of their marriage, you know, they can't keep their hands off of each other. They love each other so much, but they do still have issues. Um, one of the stories is that they're shooting um, Pam's movie, Barbed Wire, and Tommy doesn't want to be around his, I mean, doesn't want to be without his wife so much so that he's always in her trailer waiting for her after uh, shoots, after takes, scenes, whatever. And intentionally messes up her clothes and makeup so it takes longer for her to get back together so they can spend more time together, you know. But he's being disruptive and the people on the set are noticing that. And so eventually one of the producers, like, confronts him or tries to have a conversation with Tommy and is, is telling him, you know, I need you to leave. You need to go. And Tommy calmly responds by punching that man. <laughs> Um, and he ends up getting banned from the set. But somebody like Tommy, as, as you just can't keep him away from Pam. So he ends up sneaking 
and hopping over fences and still comes to see Pam as the shoot continues. I never understand our celebrities when they're like the husband has to be banned from set or whatever. It's like, she's at work. Let her work. Like, what are you doing? Are you not embarrassed? Yeah. Don't you want her to have a career? And if you don't, like, y'all should have discussed this. It's almost like she's so beautiful that he wants to cage her up and, you know, keep him, keep her to himself. Yeah. You know, Pam and Tommy go through some uh, bad times. They end up suffering a miscarriage. Pam ends up, because of all the stuff that her and Tommy are going through, the fighting, she's stressed. She's been taking these ephedrine uh, diet pills that give her energy because she's she feels like she needs to be everywhere at once. And she ends up like fainting, uh, getting hospitalized. And then that's when she finds out she's pregnant. But that's that's the baby they lose. It's a few months later that they're pregnant again. And that's with the child, Brandon, that they end up having. She ends up having a natural birth at home. Her, Tommy, her mother, the um, doula. She ends up getting pregnant with her second child, Dylan. And she has a water birth with him. And, you know, both times she very she describes the experience as very like, serene and very like hard but very rewarding having her birth set out the way that she wanted to have them having her children come out come into the world that the way that she wanted them to like with the second birth uh specifically she describes that she wants to have a water birth you know underwater she wants to see her child come out and when uh Dylan does come out, like she talks about how he's still connected to her underwater, staring at her deep in her eyes, and it was such a great moment and all that. Don't know if it could be me, but I'm happy she had that moment. <laughs> <laughs> could you imagine give not even the water birth, but the natural birth? I mean, both of them were natural, one was just not in water, but man, no. <laughs> I think a lot of people go for that better than me now uh, regarding the sex tape some some things uh this did open my eyes for a couple of things for me the sex tape was always uh told like like the ray j and kim kardashian one like um this was a, a actual sex tape and somebody just stole it but apparently the truth is is that their sex tape wasn't a full sex tape it was just an amalgamation of like scenes they had together that they were intimate in because they had a whole bunch of other tapes where they just filmed each other doing everything. Uh And so when they're safe with the videotapes, their important papers, their mementos and everything got stolen, whoever stole the tapes just basically edited all the footage together to create the Pam and Tommy sex tape. And one of the craziest things of how that safe got stolen was that these people didn't know how long it had been gone because they had been renovating for three to six months and they hadn't checked on the safe in that time because it was just so well hidden. I was like, God, could you imagine not checking on your safe every day, let alone three to six months? I mean, Beyonce's mama just did that. Bro, when I heard that, I said, she got another 17, 35 million. It's okay. (laughs) I ain't tripping on Tina losing a little chunk of change. Now, to kind of close out her romantic history, uh, 
head into more of the winding down portion, I do want to talk briefly about her Kid Rock relationship because, you know, the other ones are kind of short, more of like companionship and real adult relationships, I view. But Kid Rock is her last relationship, I think, that was immature, just like Tommy. Did she ever call him Kid Rock in the book? She calls him Bob. That's what I thought. Like, I looked up, because I was pretty sure it was Kid Rock that she was talking about, but I was like, let me look up his name real fast, like his actual name. Tell me, what's his actual name when you look I think it up? it's Bob something. <laughs> Whatever she calls him in the book. Kid Rock's real name. Robert James Ritchie. Okay, yeah. Yeah, Bob. so Bob made sense. Yeah, I, and the thing is, I've heard her refer to that man as that before, but erased it from my memory. I don't even fuck with Kid Rock either. Fuck him, bro. No, he's trash. <laughs> so, she ends Absolute up... Absolute me- trash. Sorry, <laughs> let's put emphasis on it. <laughs> Tell me how you feel. <laughs> uh, the funniest thing about the whole Kid Rock thing is that she met him... I guess at this concert situation where he was singing Respect with Aretha Franklin. I couldn't believe that. Now, see, Kid Rock is so weird to me because I feel like a lot of the people that like him, I like. Like, Stevie Nicks, like, really likes Kid Rock. I'm like, oh, I like Stevie Nicks. But then it just, like, makes me look at her weird because, like, how can you like Kid Rock? That's what I'm saying. Some of the things he said and how he, like, the things he said as well as the way he just acts on social media is just such a like not turn off but just like why would you associate with such with a person like that unless you were like that and that lyrics in his song oh no what Um, I don't know Osmosis Jones do you remember that movie yeah it's in that soundtrack let me find it Um, I have to know now it says Young ladies, young ladies, I like them underage, you see. Some say that's statutory, but I say it's mandatory. That's fucking disgusting. And that's in a kid's movie. That's in a kid's movie? What the fuck is going on? Y'all don't know how to proofread nothing? Uh -uh. It's called Cool Daddy Cool. That's statutory. I call it mandatory. Mm -hmm. Them allegations are not (laughs) going... I'm, I'm thinking them, them allegations now. I ain't going to be able to say allegedly as much. <laughs> That's just... Anytime I hear about Kid Rock, it gets worse and worse. And I always, I never liked his music. I thought it was trash music for trash people. But I don't... Whatever. Yeah, unless I'm just forgetting it and burying it in my memory. I don't know if I, I truly... I don't know if I truly know a Kid Rock song that isn't... The one with Shell Crow, which is his song, is 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 a feature, right? Yeah, I I think it might be his featuring Shell Crow, though. Oh damn! Well, but I don't if, know if it's not Pitcher, or if it's not that fuck that fucking stupid ass. I hear it every year, summer song. I just. And- I- then People we love- were jamming, 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 jamming. That's what it sounds. <laughs> <laughs> People love Kid Rock, and I always thought he was trash. And just recent events, he's even more trash. Yeah, I agree. Recent events, especially. So she meets Kid Rock at this concert, singing respect with uh, Aretha Franklin, and her friend taps her and is like, "Hey, I think we just found your next husband." 
And ding, 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 wouldn't you know, they were right. So um, like we said before, she calls him Bob. And when they first uh, started dating, you know, kid fell for her fast, even calling Tommy, telling Tommy Lee that, you know, he's in love with Pamela and Tommy saying, you know, fuck off and I'll kill you. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you know, just showing the type of men, you know, she surrounds herself with and, um, you said what kind of like her daddy, just, oh, just like her dad. And they even in their dating history, they're on and off. But Pam mentions that, you know, sometimes they would get off. Whoa, that's crazy. Let me rephrase that. (laughs) Sometimes they would break up because of Tommy's interference in their relationship. Now, um, Pamela paints kid in a good light. She says, you know, he had his own child, but he was very active in her children's life. You know, they hung out a lot, spent a lot of time together on his like property. I think it was like a farm or a ranch. You know, he was really, he was a really good boyfriend slash husband, but it is when she is in the movie Borat and they are at the screening for it or a screening for it. And she has not told Kid Rock about her role in the movie that she kind of gets a nasty surprise of who Kid Rock is and what he thinks of her and how he kind of views her. Borat, they see the screening of Borat at this like star studded like party or whatever you want to call it. And when it comes to Pamela's part in the whole talking about her sex tape and all this other stuff, you know, Kid Rock goes off, you know, he starts verbally abusing her, saying a whole bunch of fucked up shit, storming off on her, even leaving her there stranded to the point where embarrassingly embarrassingly enough, she has to go back and apologize, you know, for the interruption as well as ask for a ride home. I mean, he's always been trash. Always been trash. And I also think it's like a secret thing of like whether or not Kid Rock was good to her. Sometimes I think it was also like, I I don't, I like, I love and want you. I kind of view you as mine. And I don't want to be ever reminded of your past and who you've been with before ever. Like very controlling, possessive, like. I can see that. But I thought, you know, Pam comes with a lot of history of what she's done and the sex tape is one of the major things, even though she didn't advocate for that coming out. out. Yeah. Yeah. It's still part of her. And she's kind of over the years, kind of played into it and joked about it. Yeah, I agree. But it it doesn't seem like kid rock agrees. Yeah. (laughs) Because he has this problem with Tommy Lee to the point where later, you know, just to spoil it, at the MTV Awards, uh, Tommy Lee and Kid Rock come to blows, you know, presumably over Pamela or just their egos. But it's it seems like, ego. yeah, when it seems like Tommy is in the picture or they're talking about the sex tape, Kid Rock ultimately turns on Pamela. Yeah, and I can see where Kid Rock is mad because, you know, Tommy was interfering at the beginning or throughout the relationship. Mm-hmm. But it's like at the end of the day, that's the father of her children. Like something has to, he has to be there. I agree. It's just both of them are stupid. Tommy and Kid Rock. After that, Pam ends up dating a couple other people. So she even ends up married again to uh, Rick Solomon, which is only a note just because, 
you know, they were longtime friends. They kind of fall into each other after like joking about, you know, paying off a debt and sleeping with one another, but it actually becomes serious. And I thought it was important just because Rick Solomon is the person who uh, was the partner of Paris Hilton in their sex tape. Ah. So I thought that was actually kind of interesting. That is interesting. But um, anyway, it kind of goes through the rest of Pamela's life as far as companionship, her um, kind of carving out a a space for her and her two children to just be themselves and to be comfortable and have as their own, you know. Um, she ends up dating a couple other people, kind of casually and then serious. She also learns more about her activism, you know, trying to save and help more animals, uh, specifically with PETA and other organizations. I can't fault her there. Can't fault her there. I know you like that. Uh-huh. Good for Pam. She also kind of gets more into her spirituality and kind of reading more. Uh, she had a lot of connections via the people she's dated and her um, just being in Hollywood. And so she has a lot of people that she can talk to as far as bouncing her ideas off as what she can do as far as her activism, what she can do as far as uh, her becoming more grounded in herself as a woman. And she still even has some big career accolades. I mean, she played Roxy Hart on Broadway in the uh, musical Chicago. Mm. So she's always found a way to bounce back from her hardships as well as reinvent herself in her career. And it's something to be very proud of. She's doing a lot of things that other people haven't been able to do who have been in her very position. I mean, just off the top of my head, not shading anyone, Karma Electra. Like Ooh, she, the shade. She, don't do this to me. She was who kind else, of who else? No, now I'm not saying anybody. <laughs> she was one of the other, like uh around that time period, a little later than Pam, though, that kind of was known as the sex kitten and the sexy girl and this girl and that girl. And Sometimes she's never been able to kind of move out of that mold or be seen as otherwise. I mean, Pam tried so hard to kind of get rid of her image or reshape her image. She started dressing totally different and changing her hairstyle. So she wasn't like always linked to her iconic image. Yeah. you, Especially as a woman who's known as a sex symbol, mm-hmm. there does come a time where you have to change that because Hollywood's not going to buy into that anymore. I agree. Towards the end, she says something that I thought was really funny as well as true to herself, which is, you know, reading in nature are her true friends. And also something that she said at the beginning of the book I thought was interesting too, is that she said that she'll always be an easy target because she's open, vulnerable, and she doesn't harden her heart. She isn't bitter and she has truly loved her life and is okay with being the way that she is because that's how she wants to live and that's how she wants to be remembered. And I just find that very true, you know, as in reading this. This wasn't my type of book. And there were various parts during it that I kind of was sleeping on it, maybe not as engaged. 
But I can say that I did learn a lot about who Pamela Anderson was, a lot of things that she went through in her life and overcame. And the fact that she is still so very positive, um, so very uplifting, as well as she goes out of her way to help others. Um, like I said, the animals, the nature, you know, orphans. She's always putting her time and attention on people who are less fortunate. And I can always find the honor in that. So yeah. this probably wasn't my book, but Pamela Anderson overall, I think is a great person that has, you know, ultimately done a lot of good, despite what people may think of her and maybe their perception of her is not entirely correct. I heard this was kind of a response to the Hulu show, Pam and Tommy. Really? Yeah, that's why she put this up, because I believe that was based on Tommy's book, like where they got their information from. And we know Tommy's book was not 100% accurate. And even in this, I left out some of more of Tommy's violent episodes. Like, hmm, interesting. Yeah, so I heard that this was like Pam's side. Like, that's why it started off as a poem, and that's why there was poems throughout this book. And then they decide to add like a story. Okay. Why? Well, like I said, it was it was a a decent read. How'd you I feel mean, about the poems? They were okay. They weren't Langston Hughes. <laughs> <laughs> I thought they I, were I'm just bullshitting. I, they were okay. I thought they were distracting. <laughs> I'm glad you told me your real feelings. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, real quick before we end. I did die when she said she was listening to Nina Simone and she was like, my name is Peaches. (laughs) (laughs) And not Pamela calling herself Peaches. (sighs) So you want to get into the ratings? Yeah, let's get into it. Would you recommend this book to someone? No. So why? I... I think this is the shortest book we've read, but I don't know why, but it was the hardest book for me to get through. <laughs> I tried the audible version uh-huh. and she had such a almost soothing voice that I would just like tone it out. And then I tried reading it like the actual book and I just, I still had trouble following along. Like my mind would just start to wander. And I don't know if it was the writing because I found it more interesting you retelling it to me than the book actually was that's crazy (laughs) (laughs) all right i don't know if there's anything like that in there for like a pamela fan that would they would love and i was like looking at the reviews and it's very highly reviewed i'm like okay oh okay that's funny you mentioned okay so let me say first would i recommend this not necessarily no um if would i recommend this to somebody who says Oh my gosh, I love Pam. Pamela Anderson. I gotta stop calling this woman Pam. <laughs> oh, I love Pamela Anderson. Or somebody who said, Oh, I love Baywatch. Or so I would recommend it to that type of person. But like book recommendations flat, no. Um, funny you bring up the reviews because I was looking up reviews. I did want to see what other people thought. And you're saying highly reviewed, but I saw quite a few of user reviews who were very, like, meh on the book. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because 
I was, this was me um, almost done with the book, looking at the reviews. And I was like, damn, because I, I wanted to see if I was feeling the same way. And I was like, okay, maybe I'm not alone in this. So it's funny you said you saw a lot of highly reviewed ones, because I did not. Interesting. Now, next question. Rating. One, two, we do one to ten, right? I think we do one to five. One to five. Okay. Rating. One to five. Jose, what does love Pamela get? One star. <gasps> really? Not even two? I debated about doing two. I just, the lack of introspection on a lot of things, I was like, mm, I don't know. Okay. So uh, I'm just I'm gonna do one. I felt like it was very surface level. Okay, okay. I, I mean and, I don't and maybe it's because honestly when I saw the little poems in there, I'm like, skip, I'm not I'm not reading these films like <laughs> after the first few, I'm like, I'm not it's just not for me. Damn, poem you really hate poetry. You heard it here Jose hates poetry. <laughs> It's just her poetry was not doing it for me. Okay. I feel and all the time her poem would like just resummarize what she just said. So I'm like, why why is this needed? Like pick one or the other. Pick a struggle. Well, um, I would give this a two. One to me is garbage. Like, like, cause I, I feel like we wouldn't live in a world where well we could, but honestly, me and you, well, no, you're petty. Damn. I was gonna. Say, <laughs> I was gonna say we would never give a book zero stars, but I'm, I would <laughs> exactly. I, I'm like, of course you would, but mostly we are in a world where we would not give zero stars. So for me personally, one star is garbage. N- hated it. I felt like this was a like a sludge to get through, like you said. And it's the shortest one. It was the sh- it. That's why I think it also contributes to the score. The fact that, you know, Mother of Black Hollywood was almost double. Well, it was double this. And it was such a good read. But this one was just so hard, but it was very short. But I did like some of the information I found out about. Like I said, I don't think I was in the right mindset to read this book. I mean, full disclosure for the audience. You know, we did try to record this before a few weeks ago, but I was going through some some shit and it fucked with my brain. And then when I tried to revisit it to stay fresh on it, it was even worse trying to go through it. So, yeah, I think this is an okay book. It's not a great book, but I definitely think if I was in a better mood and mindset, I probably would have enjoyed it more. I don't know about that. (laughs) (laughs) Just because I didn't enjoy it either. Said, fuck what you said. Could you? <laughs> like, I think you tried to get for a lot of benefit of the doubt. But I didn't enjoy it in my mind, so it was okay. Well, that's true. Maybe I am trying to bail Pam out, and I don't even really like her like that. But I, I, it's just I see the potential. I see somebody liking it. I just I didn't like it. So maybe I am being too uh, light. But it is only a two star for me. I could not go two point five because I feel like two point five is saying like. It was good, but there was just some issues about it. But this was just not that good. I don't even know why it was so hard to read through, especially after she left home. I felt like that. It was picking up. 
No, I, for me, it slowed down. Damn! <laughs> I even... Yeah. Um, would we reread this? We haven't answered that one. Oh, last question. Yes. Would we reread this? Uh, I. You want to go first? I can go first. We I already know each other's answer. answers. No. <laughs> okay, so we're both no's. I already I, had to reread it so many times because I wasn't paying attention. So, no. Jesus, I only reread it 1.5 times. <laughs> Why did you read it so many times? It's just like, you know, you're reading and you're like five pages in and you're like, I have no clue what just happened. Mm. Like, I have to read these pages over again. I have to well, listen to this Audible over again. I was just about to say, to be fair, you did both, whereas I just stuck with Audible. So what I would do is I would take screenshots of where I stopped. And sometimes if I had to get some more information, I would just try to go back to that chapter. But yeah, like you said, it, yeah, it was a long haul, but we got through it. Um, so no more love, Pamela. That chapter has been shut. <laughs> Pun intended. <laughs> there were so many times while reading this book, I kept thinking to myself, I'm glad I'm not the one covering this book. Because I don't know why I would bring to the table like. Oh, the thing is, is that I said this was a shortened version. So imagine my other script. Hell yeah. no. <laughs> I Hell no. What you did this time was good. <laughs> okay. We didn't need all the rest. Thank you for the good. <laughs> it's good, <laughs> not great. Just like I love Pamela. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jose, what is our next pick? For the bonus episode of the book club. And we're not doing it by months now. So we'll just do it when it comes out. Thank uh, you. Yeah. Because some some schedules are hard to keep. Yeah. So the next book. Which I did not even know he came out with a book. But he came out with it last month. Okay. And it's Elliot Page's memoir. Page Boy. Okay. And I don't. I always liked Elliot Page as an actor. I don't really know much about them personally so mm -hmm. i want to see how this one is i hope it's not a love pamela situation i hope not either you um, know i'm i'm excited i'm the thing is i also like elliot page as an actor but i'm only familiar with their work pre-transition that's true so also this will be a nice insight to who they are now you know so i can't I, um, if is there an audio book, you know I'm listening. <laughs> I know. Let me hear that voice. I think the Love Pamela book has been our worst book so far. Yeah, it was it was our worst book, and I think that also contributed to how long it took us to to come out with this. So yeah. Yeah, I think even the Tucker Match book that we read, that was complete garbage, but it was like fun to make fun of it. Oh, yes. It, yes, it, it was entertaining, if not very stupid. Yeah. So, yeah. But Anything you would like to add? Episode? No, I don't think so. Um, Sorry, Pamela, if you listen to this. Yeah, sorry, Pam. Love your activism. You do, girl. Me as well. Love, love your resiliency. <laughs> love your positivity. <laughs> Love your blindness. <laughs> oh, didn't think of didn't think of anything on the fly. Just complimenting people every time you don't like their book. That's how you do. You got to pass it off. Pass it off. Because I I do feel bad for not liking it because the stuff she's written, like you know, everybody deserves to have the story told, but mm -hmm. we just didn't like the book. Yeah, 
and that's our goddamn prerogative. <laughs> we're not going to come on here and lie to you guys. That is true. I feel like even though I was trying to give her, you know, I was pumping her up a little bit at the end with the, the with the ratings, but I, I still said how I felt. But I feel like some people just really be like, you're trying to you trying to turn shit into sugar. Uh-huh. But try and feed me shit, call it caviar type of vibes. Uh-huh. Pissing on my head, tell me it's raining. Yeah. No one likes that. No one likes piss on their head. <laughs> some people. Some people do. Some people do. We're not a kink shame here. We don't. We're some kinks, we will. Um, but <laughs> thank you guys so much for listening. Let us know if you read what is it? Love Love Pamela. If you read Love Pamela, <laughs> did and you like Do you love Pamela? You know, a lot of the one-star ratings I saw people complaining about was no pictures in the book. Those are some freak nasty, nasty, nasty people. <laughs> I I didn't know if they meant like Playboy pictures or if they just meant like, you know, a lot of memoirs have like personal pictures. Either way, bro, <laughs> you know where to find pictures of Pam. All you gotta go is to Google. You talking about and I, the goddamn pictures. I just thought that was weird because I saw more than one review that just had one star and it said no pictures in the book. I'm like, oh, okay. I, I wouldn't rate a book one star just because of that, but mm-hmm. you do you guys. Um, let us know if you like the book. What would you rate it? Would you recommend it? And give us a book suggestion sometime. Thank you guys for listening. Bye. Bye-bye.